back all of you nerds this is nerdy by nature i'm one of your hosts agent smith aka tyler and i'm charlie aka captain rogers and so as promised this is a very exciting episode because we're going to be going over the launch of disney plus it's finally here the wait is over everybody has been enjoying it binging all week and i'm sure all weekend long right and it came out on November the 12th, Charlie, and so what we're going to do is talk about the launch, the content that is available. It's a lot. Oh, yeah. And, of course, go over the new Star Wars original series that launched on Disney Plus same day with Chapter 1 of The Mandalorian. We've got Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 actually released earlier this morning, which I thought was, was neat. You know, usually you're used to seeing shows on a more nighttime schedule, like an 8 right. p.m. or a 9 p.m., so it was really neat to notice that that was available right away. Right. Do you know, was it available at midnight, or was it only available I, this if morning? I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it might have been one of those midnight deals. Of uh. course, obviously, I wasn't up to, to watch the midnight myself, but I did watch it this morning rather early before, I want to say, 8 a.m. Yeah. So it was pretty early in the morning that I was able to watch, so it theoretically there could have been somebody up at midnight waiting for Right. Well, I mean, I, I was up, and I had planned on looking to see if it was available. I checked several times before midnight, but I forgot once midnight came right, to and, go and check. And, and of course, so. it could very well be that with this being the opening week for Disney+, Plus, that that might have been a, a treat for us, the, the viewers and the subscribers who have just recently subscribed. Right. So it may not be something that we can get used to, of it being available at midnight or early morning. It might eventually become like a 7 p.m., the Mandalorian right. every Friday, because to the best of our knowledge, the show is going to become a every Friday event after this Friday, mm-hmm. and it's just a, a beautifully done show, and we'll get into that in just a little bit, but first, we want to talk about, with quite a bit of excitement here, as you can probably tell in the sound right. of our voices, I mean, just the, the sheer amount of, of content alone is a great start for Disney+, Plus. but what's most impressive to me so far was the fact that 10 million people, he said that again, 10 million people mm-hmm. subscribed on the first day, which is isn't really a surprise, but it's just a significant number to put that into perspective. Nearly 10 million people populate the state of Michigan. So in in theory, it's kind of like the entire state of Michigan signed up day one. Right. Yeah. And I will say I was very excited because it was speculated. I read several different articles and different people saying that it was going to debut at like 3 or 4 a.m. on the 12th. And so I didn't expect to see it until then, until that morning. And I just decided, well, I'll just check because I've been routinely checking to see if the app was available anywhere yet. And so I checked at midnight and it was there. And so I started watching it at midnight. And I'm not going to lie, I stayed up all night watching different movies from my childhood and different shows. And everything went smooth as silk while I was watching it at that time. Of course, the next morning when everybody woke up and saw that it was available and decided to download it, it went down. And it was down for a couple of hours, I I want to say, because I kept checking and it just kept, it wouldn't even show the play button. Like you could go on there, you could look at the different stuff that was on there, but if you clicked on anything, it took you to the description of the show and there was no play button. And so. I'm sure that was probably a hold your breath moment for right. some new, new subscribers. I, I was one of the fortunate ones, I guess, that missed that period because when I woke up, I admit, uh, sort of a similar boat, but just a little bit behind on the stream from you. Right. I woke up, I saw your message. Um, on Facebook, and mm. so I was looking, it's available right now, and I saw that it was about midnight, so I was like, oh, all right, this is awesome. So I was up probably about 5 a.m. or so, and that was the first thing I did. Didn't brush my teeth, didn't go make breakfast. I was like, okay, hey, let's, let's get this signed up and get it started. Right. Yeah, and when I started watching, the very first thing I watched, of course, was Endgame, because apparently it's the first movie that is available on Net- on <laughs> Disney+. Plus that will not be available on Netflix. Now that's interesting. Odd, too, because, you know, Infinity War, of course, has been on Netflix for a little while, so I'm sure that they were more than disappointed to miss out right. on having India, and it would have been a big pull for some of the people that I'm sure are leaving or jumping ship right. from Netflix to go to Disney+, Plus, and why wouldn't you, given the price change? Right, and I will say that, on one hand, I understand that reasoning, why Disney didn't allow it to go to Netflix, because, obviously... You want people to sign up for your service, and that what better way than to launch it with the you know the most profitable movie in history? But on the other hand, if you're going to launch it with that, but not have Infinity War 
then you're kind of guaranteeing or I guess hoping I don't want to say hope because I know that Disney wasn't hoping that anybody would have a Netflix (laughs) subscription after they launched theirs but if you don't have a Netflix subscription then that one lonely person in the world that didn't see Endgame and that and Infinity War, they got to have both services to watch both of them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, it's a must to have both to, to catch up with the MCU timeline because when you go the way that Disney Plus is set up, of course, as most of you know now that have been streaming for a while, this week we'll see, but they've got a Disney section, a Pixar section, right. Marvel, Star Wars, etc. And in the Marvel section, it shows all the movies that are currently playable and streamable on Disney Plus. And what you notice right away is that a decent chunk of the MCU is missing. Right. And that's because some of the movies are tied up with Sony, some of the movies are tied up with Universal, others are contractually tied up with Netflix, such as, I believe, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, etc. Right. So those movies, when you go into them or you search them under the all category, A to Z, they'll pop up and you can watch the trailer. But then underneath, you'll see in sort of a gold tint or a white, the lettering will say, this is coming or this title will be available, interdate 2020. Right. So did you happen to do a search to see if any of the Marvel shows are showing up on Disney Plus? I did not search for shows like, say, Daredevil or Punisher or any of the other ones that come up like Iron Fist, uh, I believe, what was it? Luke Uh, Cage. Luke Cage and Agent Agent Carter. Well, Agent Carter is on there. Okay, so it so it is but live for sure. It came on ABC, so mm-hmm. Disney already owns ABC, so there's no reason for it no problem, not to be no on problem there. there. Right, <laughs> but um, I did see and Runaways is on there, which was a Hulu. I did see Runaways Hulu show, so they do have a lot of the stuff from the different streaming services, but not the ones that they don't own. But um, I would just be interested to see if the Marvel, if the Netflix Marvel TV shows show up on there, but aren't playable, obviously, because Netflix is still owns them. But I'm curious to see if Disney is going to put those on to Netflix once that contract runs out. It'll be very interesting. I think that of all the shows, those that'll be the those will be the ones that we'll probably have to wait on the longest, right? Because of contractual complications. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still just a, a lot to look forward to. And even some of the Marvel shows that are soon to come out next year. I mean, there's just, they started out with a lot of content right out of the gate. Like we said, 500 movies, 7,000 TV episodes. But there's just going to be more and more to add to that as they continue to grow and expand their library. So right. we are the ones that, that benefit from all of this. And I think the, the coolest part to me, the first thing that I added was the X-Men animated TV series. Right. That was a classic from the 90s. Uh, another one to follow suit with that was the Spider-Man animated right. series. That's what got me into this whole superhero universe was Saturday mornings watching Peter Parker deal with internal struggles. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, villains in New York City and all those problems. Oh, yeah. Uh, I came across a, a nice gym as well. They've got the original Fantastic Four cartoons on there from the mm-hmm. 90s. They've also got a, I believe it's just a one-season run of the Silver Surfer animated right, series. Right, So, you know, that's great for, for young fans that want to try and catch up or get into the Marvel Universe and get some of that lore that you maybe miss in, in some of the Marvel movies. So it's just, a, for me, it was a nostalgia overload. My inner eight- and nine-year-old was just jumping up and down. Oh, yeah. Um, aside from watching The Mandalorian being the new show and everything, I spent the last several days pretty much just reliving my childhood. I watched, you know, like I said, the first thing I watched was Endgame, but then after that, I started searching for, like, all the old Disney Channel movies and and watched several of those, and then I found Boy Meets World on there, and the whole series is on there, and so I... So you got just some Corey Corey Matthews action and and Topanga going on. Absolutely. I watched, like, almost all of the first season just in a couple of days, but it's very exciting. There's so much stuff on there that you really, you do a search or you... You start scrolling, and you don't have enough time to watch all of it. No, you you really don't. It's it's going to become, I think, a 2020 challenge uh, of sorts. Right. Because, like you said, I started to scroll through some of the titles and just got increasingly excited because I saw Gargoyles. I saw the Lizzie McGuire show, even Stevens. Right. Um, I believe at one point I saw a can of worms, just kind of a, a one-off random Disney film. Right. That, you know, only those that watched the Disney Channel growing up mm-hmm. <laughs> would be familiar with. Uh, Halloween Town was, Halloween was another Town one. There. So uh, DuckTales, Tailspin, the, the list just goes on and on. 
as far as the TV episodes are concerned, Darkwing Duck. Right. I mean, just huge, big time, iconic childhood cartoons. So it's just great, I think, overall. Oh, yeah. I know several people that, you know, called out of work that first day just because they loaded it that morning and were just in nostalgia heaven and, and decided they didn't want to go to work that day. And that's understandably so. I know a couple of my coworkers were calling it uh, November 11th, Disney Plus Eve. Right. So it was, was deemed appropriately. Oh, yeah. And there's just so many Disney classics on there. So you go through some of these titles and you've got movies like Aladdin, The Lion King, Jungle Book, Mulan, Hercules, the original Mary Poppins, the new Mary Poppins, original Dumbo. <laughs> The, the, newer, the new Dumbo. The, the, the new Dumbo. So there's just so much when you see what they started out with, and they've released things from the vault as well. Oh, I think yeah. it was was neat the way that they categorized some of the sections, like they showed like movies from the vault, right. Disney classics, Pixar films. Yeah, and from different articles I've read, from what I've heard, they are planning on doing away with the vault altogether and just going to put everything on Disney Plus because I mean the point of the vault was for them to re-release movies as the different formats came along so that they could continue to make money on their movies and so now that they have this there's just not really a need for that anymore and so they're going to do away with the vault and put everything on Disney Plus. I, I think for, for a lot of Disney fans that only makes us happy because how frustrating was it when something came out of the vault right. and you missed your opportunity mm-hmm. to go out and get that diamond edition or what have you. I know I was waiting on pins and needles for about a year or two for Aladdin to come out on diamond edition Blu-ray and right. so as soon as I was following that on Amazon and when it became available I made sure that I had enough money in the bank to to get a copy of that <laughs> right right and there's there's plenty of stuff to love about the disney plus service so far and i've spent like all my time the last few days watching and just looking to see what all was available on there but there are a few technical things that i would like to see get addressed by disney here soon and i will say one of them for me is like if you're watching a tv show after a certain amount of tv shows or tv episodes it'll just freeze like it It'll go to the very end of the episode, and then it'll just stop. Now, I've only really watched it on my computer, so I don't know if it's if that has to do with just the website, and if it does that on, like, the apps on your TV, I'm not sure. But, like, it's to the point, like, where it stops and doesn't give you an option to, like, continue watching like Netflix does. But I have to hit back and hit watch the next episode from the main page of that show so that kind of annoys me so if they do it like netflix and ha- and after so many episodes they say are you still watching then that's fine but right now at least on the computer i'll have to check and see if it's like that on the app but right now you can't do that you have to hit back and then hit continue watching and honestly it kind of annoys me on the netflix app when you have to hit the button to say that you're continuing to watch So, I mean, it's not really that big a deal. It's not really that big of an issue, but I would like to see them fix that in the future. Right, and that's that's one that I can definitely see being frustrating for those that are transitioning over from, say, a Netflix or a Hulu or an HBO Go, Mm -hmm. and they don't have that available, or they've noticed, oh, it just kind of lags or freezes up, like you said. Mm -hmm. And my only critique, or something that I've noticed from a technicality standpoint, is sort of the opposite of the one that you brought up, (laughs) in that, so I, of course, do not research due diligence and just out of its sight before (laughs) the Mandalorian to come to Disney Plus and to our our eyes I've watched both episodes and I wanted to go back and re-watch them to see things that maybe I missed out of my excitement watching them both the first time through right and I noticed that I was still logged in on my phone and so of course I went into the TV app and hit play thinking that it would play it from the beginning. Right. I hadn't watched it on my TV yet. And, of course, common sense tells you, well, of course, it picks up on you being logged in on your phone. Obviously, it's going to play where I left off, and that was at the end of the episode, right? Right. So I see the credits. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, good to know that it's synced up. That's cool. And so I go back out, and I'm looking mm-hmm. for the oh-so-familiar watch from the beginning or start over button that you would see on a Hulu or an HBO Go. Right. And I didn't see this. And so I went into the episode, and of course it picked up again at the end credits. Mm -hmm. And so there I was again, trying to sift and search, and the only buttons I saw available were, of course, the standard play pause, go back 15 seconds, go forward 15 seconds. Right. And in theory, I probably should have just went forward (laughs) 15 seconds, since, as I said, just stated, I was at the end credits. Right. But in my mind, I thought, well, let's just go ahead and go all the way back to the beginning, because it may not necessarily work to go forward at 
might just take me all the way back out to the main menu. Mm-hmm. But I digress. It's just one of those where, if you think about it, if you're watching the episode, like let's say that you're watching Chapter 2 for the first time. Right. You just watch the pilot. You want to watch Chapter 2. You watch the first five minutes, and significant other whomever comes in and says, hey, I'm kind of hungry. Let's go grab some dinner. Come back. We'll pick this up. Right. And that's great. But when you get back, you'll want to start back at the beginning. Is you That five minutes is probably gone by the time you've grabbed dinner, had conversation, right. what, what have you. And so if you have to, you know, or let's say, heaven forbid, you're 20 minutes in. Right. And someone says, hey, let's go grab some food. And you're like, ah, okay, I'll pause this. We can start it over. Having to backtrack all that way so that you don't fast forward to see things or reveal things and fast forward. Right. That could be frustrating for some people. So it wasn't the end of the world for me. wasn't a huge deal. Right. Because I'd already watched both Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, which we'll get into here in a moment. But for me, not seeing that, uh, you know, watch over from the beginning or start over button is something that I'm sure they'll probably include. Right in the first of many updates to improve the service even more so. So you're saying that like while you're in the middle of the episode you have to hit back 10 seconds over and over and over again until it gets to the beginning. Provided if you don't want to fast forward through that episode that you potentially haven't seen the rest of. Right. So that some things don't get revealed in silence in fast forward motion. Right. That, that, That could be very annoying. I know that once you get through all the credits and everything and you leave and you click it again then it will go back to the beginning but having not having that watch from the beginning button is very annoying and i could see that being an issue for a lot of people so i would say that those two different issues that we've spoken of will probably hopefully be fixed in a near in the near future i would say that people are probably letting disney know the different things that they don't like about it or do like about it so and it could very well be that it might have just been a, a glitch this evening when I, I right. get home from work and it's something that maybe is available that I'm just missing or that I need to I patch mean, for. I don't recall ever seeing it when I was watching. Um, and like I said before, the issue I speak of is on, on the website when you're watching it on your computer. So it may be not an issue on the TV and vice versa. The issue you're talking about, you did it on your TV, right? Correct. Right, and so I didn't see it, but it may have that on the computer. I'm not sure. So we will have to do some more investigations and figure it out. But all in all, I would say that those are two very small issues for a system and a new program that is otherwise, as awesome as Disney+. I was just yeah, otherwise is incredibly impressive right. and blows you out of the water with just the sheer amount of content. It's Definitely. like you said, it's going to be a challenge to try and, and watch it all. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a lot in a good way. Right. And right now I currently only have the Disney subscription. I'm still trying to decide whether or not I want to upgrade to the bundle. And that's a great point to bring up because if you if you do, for those of you listening, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes before, we've mentioned that you can get the basic Disney Plus package and mm-hmm. I believe six ninety nine comes out to about seven dollars essentially a month. Right. There's also of course Or the, seventy dollars a year. Right. The yearly charge, which I think a lot of people are inclined to go for is it's much in the way of like an Amazon Prime. Right. You're going to use it, why not just go ahead and pay for it all in one swoop? Right. And it ends up being a little bit cheaper on the back end if you do the, the yearly subscription. Right. Uh, fun factoid is if you have Verizon Wireless as a cell phone character, I'm sure you've probably seen the commercials, you can bump up to the unlimited plan, and they'll actually give you Disney Plus on us for the first year. Right. So that's a, a nice promotion that they've got going on right now. Uh, but the bundle, of course, is available for twelve ninety nine, so almost $13. And that is, of course, Disney Plus, Hulu, with ads. Important to note that. At first, right. we weren't quite sure if it was going to be Hulu Plus. Uh, maybe that was just too many pluses to... <laughs> To have in the same sentence, you have Disney Plus, Google Plus, ESPN Plus. Right. Uh, but then, of course, you're also with that bundle getting ESPN Plus. And so it's a, a nice bundle for under $13, because if you're paying for all three of those separately, you're looking at north of $20 easy. Right. And I will say that I did notice that if you do change to the bundle, there's no annual option. You have to pay monthly. So Interesting. So there's no annual option At least for from the what I've right seen. Now. Right. Okay. 
because I did start the process and I saw that it was going to be twelve ninety nine a month and didn't show an annual option. So I'm assuming that, which kind of makes me wonder. I don't know how that's going to work out once my free week is over and they do charge me the annual seventy dollars for Disney Plus. If I then decide to do the bundle, will they refund that seventy plus dollars and then start me on that monthly bundle price, or how will that work? I haven't. So you'll probably take that up with the uh, Disney Plus right tech right. advisor. Right. We haven't. I haven't tried to go all the way through with it yet. So, and I will say that I was kind of jealous when I first heard about the year free through Verizon. However, AT and T does have HBO Go for free if you have their unlimited data. So it kind of works out in nice. the, sounds, in sounds the like end. Everyone got their own little angle. Right. And so, Kappa, I think it's time now for us to go ahead and gravitate from all of the excitement that has been this Disney Plus launch and experience and right. dive right into arguably probably our favorite show right now. And it's one of the first Disney originals out and going is the Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. Right. And it features a solid cast in the pilot episode right off the bat from only a handful of characters. Right. And it's one that really just grabs your attention right away. Of course, there's not really much in the way at all of any kind of credits, intro credits, which we're kind of used to seeing on Netflix or a Hulu series. Right. But I really like it because it just it cuts to the chase. It gets you right into what's going on, your setting, and let's go, here's the, the show. But they do a montage of previous Star Wars characters against a black background and some ambient lighting, and it's just beautiful because mm-hmm. you get, you know, Vader, C-3PO, R2-D2, a bunch of different characters there, and it's just really neat. And then they sync it up with the beeping of the Mandalorian's bounty hunter tracker right. and then the, once that's synced up you finally you know fade to black and see the mandalorian for the first time played by pedro pascal which you might remember from game of thrones <laughs> right yeah he was uh the unfortunate guy that got his face squished by the mountain yeah the viper did not live up to the <laughs> the, the mountain he, he well if he wouldn't have been so braggadocious and yeah i mean he held up he held his own for quite a while in that fight but when he almost had it yeah he did but that's a review for another time right anyhow um yeah pedro pascal and so far he's been awesome in the show although you really wouldn't know it was him unless if he wasn't talking well you know i'm glad that you brought that up because the entire time i was watching the pilot episode and hearing him speak which i know it's not this person under the mask obviously <laughs> i read the credits and did the research by all means correct me if i'm i'm wrong here is it just me or does the voice that pascal is using kind of remind you or could you picture john cusack being under the helmet if you think about it i saw your post on facebook about that and i mean yeah he does sound like him at several points in the show not like dead on um no he doesn't but i mean knowing it was pedro pascal that was really all i really pictured but i mean once you mentioned it and i thought about it i could i could see that being him as well but because what i thought of was kind of like his voice portrayal of jack insulin in 1408 it just kind of had that very right. indifferent eh, I'm, yeah i'm a bounty hunter this is he what didn't I do. ever really seem to invoke any excitement or emotion in his voice right and that particular character uh, jack insulin in 1408 is is somewhat like that right played by john cusack so that voice with that tone i was like ah okay maybe mm-hmm. Again, it could just be me, but just a point I thought I would bring up before we got right into the show discussion. It's interesting, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, the first episode, I really enjoyed it. it. It's just, like, I like the show, and I like all the characters, and it feels very Star Wars. But one critique I will say, and I think it's just that we're so, we've been so used to it, it felt very short. And so did the, the second episode, really. They were both very short episodes, and I don't know if that was just because... Because it was the first two episodes, or if that is going to be the runtime of the episodes going forward. But I guess I'm so used to hour-long episodes in TV shows, for one thing. And for another, whenever I watch anything Star Wars, you generally have to commit at least two hours. Which, I mean, makes sense because of the movies. So, just watching a Star Wars-related show, and it going by as quickly as it did, it just felt very, very quick. And it was just a weird thing for me. 
And it threw me off as well, because like you said, I think we've become very conditioned to that block hour for any kind of new show that's streaming, especially when you think about an HBO Go or a Netflix, and it's a new series. We're pretty well used to strapping you in for about an hour, and especially the pilot episode is one for a lot of series, whether it's been streaming or not, or originally was syndicated on TV. Typically, the pilot is going to be your longer episode, because they want to try and get your interest. Now, not every instance, but here lately it seems like the pilot has been longer and then the other episodes to follow become a little bit shorter but it's actually kind of quite the opposite right now for the mandalorian the pilot episode is 40 minutes long in total Mm -hmm. and then the chapter two is about what 32 yes somewhere around there and i would almost wonder if maybe the first episode like both the first and second episode were originally intended as one episode and maybe they decided to split it up and introduce two episodes in one week since they knew they were going to do it week to week instead of having like a binge uh, full season in one go type thing you know to try and get people used to it ending and then having to wait a certain amount of time before the next one could be try to ease some of those new subscribers in that are coming over from places like Netflix and HBO Go I can definitely see that because you know I mean people are used to getting full seasons at one time now with Netflix and and things of that nature so it would make sense to me at least that to kind of condition us back into a weekly series they released two in one week so that you know to try and get us back into that oh we're gonna have to wait a whole week for the next episode you know what I mean I think it's nice that they're going back to that style because I think we have become somewhat we've mentioned this in previous episodes in speaking of Disney Plus and this show and others in particular it's nice to see them gravitate at least with this show we can't speak for some of the other originals that are to come right we'll see how those get released but i like to feel like they'll probably use this a similar format um to me it just made sense to go back to that format in that it's nice to have something to look forward to i think we've become very dependent upon being able to binge through an entire season and collections yeah and so this will be a nice change of pace well i i think it also i mean it's important to realize that you know when you do it weekly you're gonna have people you know watching it and then going into work the next day and the next few days to talk about it and get the hype up of the show right and be able to say what do you think is going to happen this week and all of that kind of thing well and let's be honest this week at work for me disney plus was all anybody was talking about definitely came came in got their coffee and before we even started our work day right we started talking about yeah but this show is on there and this series and that movie and i've had my kids watch this this and this that i watched when i was growing up so no matter what your age is for for anybody that's subscribing to Disney Plus right now everyone kind of gets to be a kid again and I think especially in this day and time as we approach 2020 uh, you know there's a lot of unknown political climates toxicity etc etc I think this is exactly what a lot of us needed right just that something we don't have to think about something else to talk about (laughs) right we we can and a positive thing at that right just go back to a time where your your toughest decision when you're watching a Disney movie as a kid is do I want to have SpaghettiOs or Chef Boyardee for lunch right you know right take us, us back to the, the good old days so i think it's just been a, a nice week of nostalgia definitely that disney plus has offered us since tuesday right and i think they have announced that their shows are going to be week to week i don't think that it's that there's going to be any shows that are going to push out the full season at one time. And I will say that there's a couple of shows on Netflix now where they've started only releasing them week to week instead of all at one time. I couldn't tell you what they were because I haven't watched them. But, but yeah, I know I've seen several on Netflix that say on there that it's going to be a week to week. And so with this show being week to week, it's going to be very interesting to see how they build each character out as far as story arc goes. And then also it'll be very interesting to see how the story flows from week to week. I'm very excited to see just how they play all that out. And so, of course, in this pilot episode that we've mentioned quite a bit already Mm -hmm. at length, the first thing that we notice is classic, iconic Star Wars starter. The Mandalorian walks into a cantina. Right. And there is no iconic music playing. I think we're all okay with that. It's that right. same little, you know, flute number yeah. or what have you. And we've 
been doing some research, and you know, it's logical that those guys can't be in every cantina across the <laughs> galaxy. They're they're probably touring, but but who knows? Right. And so right away, you get this sense that Mandalorian is this intimidating presence just right off the bat, kind of like the uh, a Western saloon scene where you bust open the, the swinging doors and you know, whoa, okay, the the air has changed. Right. The guy means business, basically. Exactly. And so you <laughs> see these two outlaws that are obviously poking fun and bothering a might be a fugitive on the run might be another outlaw that's in the wrong place at the wrong time or doesn't right. quite belong in this bar and they're even joking about cutting him up and selling his body parts <laughs> for a, a good turning a nice profit and the mandalorian is having none of that off the bat and of course one of the outlaws notices that the mandalorian's entrance has caused him to spill his drink mandalorian's at the bar trying to order a drink himself he comes up and repeats himself and says hey mando did you hear what i said Caused me to spill my drink. And, of course, the bartender is trying to politely, you know, hey, it's all good. Let's not have to have any ruckus here. It's just everybody. Here's some drinks on the house. A very familiar bartender moment in a Western. Absolutely. He's trying to keep the peace and keep his bar intact. Right. It's a business. And then, of course, from there, you just see the Mandalorian go full, you know, full-on bounty hunter mode. All right, time to take care of business and take out the trash. Right. And that's precisely what he does. And one of the outlaws tries to scamper and get away with his life. And that doesn't exactly happen. But we get one of probably my favorite opening scenes of a show in a long time. Right. And so that's the door's phase open. And he sees he's trying to get away. Mandalorian hooked, grappling hook, I guess. Right. He has some kind of gun that shoots a grappling hook type thing. And pins it right on him. Pulls him back. So, of course, naturally, this guy trying to get away shoots at the Mandalorian. Right. And Mandalorian looks at him like, oh, okay, you're going to return fire on me? Right. Well, here's how I'm going to handle that. And he shoots the mechanism to open and close the door. Door starts to close back and chops him right in half. Right. The guy's only, like, halfway in when he pulls him back in. Yeah, it was a very awesome moment. Um, It really showed how this bounty hunter character deals with different things. And how he conducts his his business. Right. It's just like, hey, look, I'm here for, for one thing and one thing only. If anyone's going to get in my way, exhibit A. That's, right. that's what's going to happen. Right. And you really don't even get the picture that he's after anybody when he goes into this bar. He looks like he's just there for a drink. Initially. Absolutely. Right. And then, of course, he approaches the character that we saw all befuddled and beside himself. And right. Like, hey, guys, leave me alone. I'm, I'm, I've got credits. What, what, what will it take? You know, just I'm just a guy. and nothing to see here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he even thinks the Mandalorian for basically stopping those guys because they were bullying this character. Oh, he does. And he offers him credits and says, hey, you know, here, go buy yourself a drink. I've got plenty of more credits. You know, I'm eternally grateful for, right. for your service. Thank you so much. And he's really landed on thick. Mm-hmm. And you find out why, because this particular character, Mithril, played by Horatio Sands, which I had to really look at the second time that I watched to remember and remind myself what Horatio Sands looks like. Right. Because he's covered in a lot of blue paint and he's got gills you wouldn't really recognize him. Yeah, and he's actually lost a lot of weight in real life from his more popular days in comedy as well. Absolutely. And so, of course, we see the Mandalorian lay down what's known as a bounty puck. And so it phases up and shows his wanted face. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, is that me? And he tries to play it off. Like he that can't be me. But you got the wrong guy. This isn't me. I've got plenty of credit, like I said. Let me you know, pay for something or buy you something. Mm-hmm. Or at least try to buy his way out. And we get a just, again, a crisp, easy, means business line from Pascal. And he says, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. Right. And basically, that's his nice way of saying, look, you're wanted dead or alive. I'm going to collect my bounty either way. But right. You've got two, two choices, my way or the highway, which, which are you going to pick? Right. And it's funny because uh, Pedro Pascal doesn't have hardly any lines in the first episode at all. And it's just more, you can, he does a good job at playing this character because like I said most of the episode he doesn't talk much and so you're just left to build this character in your mind of how he is just by his movements and how he conducts himself. Right, his body language. Right. You know, it's it's interesting for a main character to not have a lot of dialogue. Right. But I think for this particular type of character it's very 
appropriate because he is that bounty hunter type. They're not going to get chummy with the people they're going after. Right. They are strictly business. So I think that... That's the worst thing to do. <laughs> That's the last is thing to you get, want to do. Is to get chummy with them because, you know, then you might grow an affection for this person. and So you can really see that he, he makes a point not to get chummy with him and not to talk to him. Not at all. And so, of course, he takes him out of the bar and on his way to try and hail more or less a space cab or space taxi back to his ship to right. get off the planet there and take him back to collect his bounty. And we get another funny moment and a good little Easter egg there. We get a former Star Wars character that we saw in one of the earlier Star Wars films that was trying to rat out the Jedi location there when they landed and the stormtroopers were searching for them. So he flutes in a taxi, a, speed, a speeder, if you will, mm-hmm. and has a droid. And the first thing that Mando says is, yeah, no, no droids. I don't. I don't work with droids. Which is interesting. Um, I guess he's against droids for whatever reason. Seems to at least have a dislike. Or I could also see from the bounty hunter standpoint of, you know, droids probably have GPS or location. Actually, I think he might have, he might have even said something about the fact that it had GPS. It seems like I remembered him saying that. And, and so, so he wanted a human a human driving a car or speeder or whatever you want to call it. I think he just didn't want to side on the fact that you know, the droid could potentially... There's room for error. Right. Which, of course, there's always room for error with humans. We're not perfect. But right. I feel like he trusts the instinct right. of a human driver as opposed to a droid transition or transportation method. Right. And so from that, of course, this nice, well-slick designed speeder glides away and a clunky... <laughs> speeder pulls up with a human driver right and so they take off and of course all the while mithril is still trying to get out of it right trying to have them pull over oh hey we don't we don't have to ride in this i can get us a cruiser <laughs> you know let's we'll talk about this i'll buy some drinks and it's just not working when they finally get to the mandalorian ship the taxi driver says you know hey be careful on the ice watch out right which is funny um because the next thing you see is the guy driving the speeder drives away and all of a sudden you see the the ice break and some huge creature kind of like a underwater hybrid sea it monster almost, slash yeah, almost, walrus it looked, <laughs> creature it looked kind of like a mix between like a alligator and a walrus or something. sort of i mean it was its mouth seemed like it was in long elongated like a like a alligator type mouth but the rest of its body did look more like a walrus at any rate it's something that you did not want coming your way right and it was headed straight for him right and and it pulls that speeder under the water so that poor guy is just gone after he warns them about it and so they jump in the ship or the thing i guess turns around and starts going back towards their ship and so they quickly get in the ship it latches onto a leg but can't quite hold the grip right well it, it holds the it holds a grip on like the leg and the Mandalorian has to go and open the door and I guess he shoots it with some kind of electricity or something and and the thing finally lets go and and the ship takes off and then even then you know in that particular takeoff scene we go into them actually gliding back to where the Mandalorian is going to collect his bounty and we continue to see him just not talking right. to Mithril at all. Oh, yeah. And Mithril is just trying to be like, oh, this is a nice ship. You know, and like I said, I've got a lot of credit. I can you know, pay for anything. That's why I offered to buy the cruiser. Right. You know, well, it's all the same. I really have to use the restroom, more or less. He puts it in a different term, but he says, you know, I really have to use the restroom. Do you mind if I look for it? Right. I'm not going anywhere. It holds up his cuffs. It's like, you know, where can I go? Mm-hmm. All the while, of course, you know, it's heavily implied that he's just trying to search the ship for a way out. And Mando also knows this as well. Right. And so the guy goes downstairs in the ship and is looking for the bathroom. Meanwhile, he's still talking the whole entire time, talking to Mando and trying to convince him that he's not a bad guy and all this. And and so the guy all of a sudden finds like a rack of, I guess, I mean, which it turns out to be people that are frozen in carbonite, which is a nod back to one of the original Star Wars. But so as soon as he's looking at the, the people in carbonite, all of a sudden, and he backs up and he backs right into Mando and Mando's been right behind him and all of a sudden Mando just like pushes him forward you don't even see the process or how it happens but basically Mando just goes right ahead and, and freezes him in carbonite right there and I feel like it's almost implied that over the years since Han Solo bounty hunters have perfected the method right to where they can do it very quickly for effective bounty hunting purposes right 
And the only part about that particular scene that bothered me at all, and I had to go back and watch it again for it to bother me less, <laughs> was I, I noticed that the first time he got down there, and I watched it the first time through, he hit a couple of buttons and opened up the gun artillery Yeah, closet. he did, yeah. And I at first thought, I, I think to myself, well, how does this random passenger, he knows the name of the ship and the build of the ship, but how would he know the key code or to get in there? But then when I watched it the second time, I noticed it was just a series of blue buttons. There weren't really any numbers or right i was gonna symbols. say it's probably just a thing where you have to hit a certain button to open it or something like and that same thing to close it and so right. I, was, I was very easily like okay the second time through it just seems like it's a pretty open close right. door it's not a, a code or password you think it would be for what it holds right but it's not right and i almost kind of wondered why he didn't you know grab one of the guns either but i don't know maybe he realizes at that moment what he's who he's actually dealing with and and feels too intimidated by it or something like that or or it could just be that his hands were bound so maybe he felt like he couldn't control one or something i don't know but i I think for him in that moment he was like okay here's where the weapons are and then his next thought process was keep talking let's find an exit strategy and then once i have that i'll go back go back back and get a gun yeah that could be but the the best line that's dropped by the mando in that scene is the particular passenger and prisoner in this case mithril says yeah you know i was really hoping i can get back to the the home planet for life Oh, yeah. And Mandalorian says, probably not. Right. And that's when he gets... And that's when he gets frozen carbon carbonite. And, and which we, we watched... Uh, a couple of breakdown videos about the the show just to get some other perspectives on it and apparently life day is a reference to the dreaded star wars christmas special and so hopefully that'll be the only reference or only thing about that show i haven't seen it personally but right i haven't seen it personally but apparently everybody wants to deny that the christmas special even existed so that should tell you something about it from there of course we get to the planet that the Mandalorian is trying to reach to collect his bounty, and we get into yet another cantina. And I wanted to take the, a quick moment and just say but that's probably one of my favorite things about Star Wars as a whole is these canteen characters. They really do a, a great job, no matter who is on the production crew, of mm-hmm. uh, making these sub-characters that I don't want to say aren't important, but they don't really... You could lose them, and you'd still have a, a great series or great film collection. But at the same time, they're also very important because you can see right away that these are different alien species from all walks of different life right and it's just impressive the different molds and cowls and prosthetics that they can go into and what they can cgi in and so it's just it always feels like it's you know that yeah this is how a oh, deep, yeah. deep space cantina would be it'd be this crazy mix of all kinds of different beings and i think for this it speaks volumes for this particular show with its production because it is a little bit different in the, the sense of it's not a traditional star wars story right we're seeing more of the underbelly of, of star wars and yet, I feel like they did such a good job that it's a seamless transition of, yeah, checks out. It's right. Like your typical Star Wars cantina with your typical you know, Ratatat characters. Oh, yeah. The um the production value on the show was amazing, and it doesn't really surprise me being Disney because I know that they announced that the, that the Marvel TV shows or Disney Plus shows that are going to directly connect to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they are all going to have a similar budget to the movies so if that's true with marvel i would say that the star wars shows are going to have a similar budget so they're all going to feel very high quality and more movie worthy versus tv show quality and so of course once he goes to collect his bounty we get another exciting character that uh, we hope will be in other episodes to come just because from the nostalgia standpoint it's just cool to see this guy on the screen again and that's carl weathers's character grief carga and so he is the one that is paying for all of the bounty he says you know did you collect everybody all right good job that was fast mm-hmm. slides over imperial credits which is again a, a nod to previous star wars films and of course mando looks at this and says um those are imperial credits the empire's fallen right in that way for a little while how am i supposed to spend this right they're basically worthless now and which is kind of cool because uh in actual history our history the same thing happened after like uh, World War II, the Nazis had their own currency in Germany and once World War II was over, that currency lost all value because nobody wanted it and nobody wanted to remember that time 
that horrible time when the Nazis existed. And so there were tons of people that might be, you know, very wealthy in that time, but they were wealthy in Nazi currency. And so they became unwealthy once the war was over because that currency became worthless. And so that was just kind of a cool thing that they say they showed and did in this show that's a lot like it would be in real life. Right. Sort of gave it a little bit of that, that real world tinge to it. Right. And so, of course, Carter is able to pay him half in current currency. Right. And so he says, well, do you have any other bounties, any other jobs? And he's like, mm, I do, but not really any that pay all that that much and he's like well what's your most expensive bounty right and he says about five thousand he's like that's barely enough for fuel like mm-hmm. come on man help me out here he's like well i do have one job but it's under the table off the radar right and so the mando says like underworld he's like let's just say you're not going to have a puck for this one right and so he tells him to go meet with another character which is a character that everybody's been waiting to see because it's played by Werner Warzog, right? Ah, uh, correct. It's Werner. <laughs> Werner. Yes. The W, of course, in German culture, made say a V. So. Right. So it's a Werner Herzog, and he plays a character that's only dubbed as the client. We don't actually get a name. Right. So it is just this mysterious client that he is meeting, and when he meets him, he's surrounded by stormtroopers. So we can see that there are still some remnants left of the Empire floating around, and there are some governing bodies that are probably still using some of these clones from the dust of the Clone Wars, and Mm -hmm. they've got them as bodyguards or men for hire, etc., etc. And so he tells the Mandalorian, you know, after he cools everything down, they have a mini, mini standoff there. He's like, you know, listen, I've got a, a big job for you here if you're willing to take it. It will be a great level of difficulty. You won't have a puck. You won't be able to look up much in the way of information. I can give you a little bit. And for a man of your skill and being a Mandalorian, it shouldn't be that hard. Right. And so we basically he won't have the backing of this, I guess, bounty hunter guild that he's a member of because it is an off-the-books bounty basically you couldn't say that he's doing this mission solo no no no, no that, okay that, 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 was, that, that was terrible all right well i tried uh-huh all right and so the client pays him in a block of vesper steel mm. and that ends up being very important to him per his culture as a mandalorian because that was steel that they used to make their armor and also acquired their wealth with from the best of my knowledge i'm not as familiar with mandalorian history as i would like to be right but nevertheless he takes that to his guild wielder or welder i should say <laughs> right and so they meld that down into a really neat shoulder piece and it's almost kind of like you had mentioned this before the episode cap that it's kind of like he earned it sort right. of like a badge but in this case a shoulder plate piece which is certainly an upgrade from the it almost looks like plastic or right. some kind of ceramic shoulder piece that he was using before so yeah, it protect that, well against laser blasts and things like that right that whole scene with the blacksmith just seemed like it was almost like a rite of passage type you earned this now wear it with pride type thing you know what i mean certainly and you also get a, a little bit of a backstory on who the mandalorian was mm. because we find out also very quickly that this besker steel bar that was melted down is kind of like platinum in a way right. that it's a, a high level sort of like a, a black american express card right. because the the actual blacksmith says you know with the shavings alone we're going to be able to fund a bunch of different orphanages here and you know, mentions that you, know, you were a part of that program as well, weren't you? And so it has these flashback scenes as they're hammering out the shoulder piece. That mm-hmm. yes, you know that was totally a, a situation for the Mandalorian. It looks like he lost both of his parents and then went into this foster program. Right. And it looks like we had to actually go back and do some research and see some theories. But we had a nice Easter egg in that flashback of some of the Clone Wars droids that were right. taking out some of these people. And so, of course, once he gets his material, he's able to figure out, okay, well, the bounty that I'm after is 50 years old and roughly in this location. Let's try and figure this out. Right. And so he lands, and that's where we get another really impressive character, and that is played by Nick Nolte. And so he's just this older gentleman with a very well-made makeup and face. Right. Comes up, and really we should say it's a bit of a worry when he lands because blurs come charging right after him. Right. He's kind of scoping out the scene and seeing if it's safe, and he sees these blurs off in the distance, and next thing he knows, they're right up on him. Right. Almost takes off his arm. Definitely. Pretty wild. 
yeah, he um he starts to fight this blurb because it, it shows up very quickly and very quietly, it seems. And the thing, he holds his arm out and the thing just grabs his arm. And so he's being shaken around and all that kind of stuff for a little while. And then uh, Kuil, which is played by Nick Nolte, the character you were just referencing, uh, while he's fighting this thing, shoots the thing with some kind of, I guess... Sort of like a stun dart? Yeah. Or a, a tase dart? And says it stops them right in their tracks. Right. And the thing falls over and and is not dead. It's like knocked out by whatever he shoots at him. And so he meets Quill, the character, and, and from there he mentions, you know, I notice you're a Mandalorian, and I imagine you're probably here to collect the same bounty that everybody else has. I'd like to help you. And then he drops uh, what I imagine is going to be a fairly quotable line for a little while, right. and that is, I have spoken. Right. More or less, if you've ever seen A Brother Where Art Thou, there's a scene where George Clooney's character's wife in the movie says, I've spoken my piece, and I've counted to three. Right. And when she says that, I've spoken my piece and counted to three, George Clooney's character knows, I can't say anything else. Right. That's, that's it. She, that's she's, it. She's, she's done and it's the same concept for Kuil and I have spoken as in so it shall be right basically and so he basically tells him like what you said I see you're here for the same thing a lot of other people have come for but basically all the other people that came for it did not get it and did not make it through and so he's warning Mando that it's not going to be an easy thing and in order to help him travel faster he tells him that the best way to travel on this planet is on burb is by bo- is by blurred by blurred back basically <laughs> And so say that three times fast. Right. And so the next few minutes of the movie or of the show is him learning how to ride a blurb, which is kind of funny that they spent that time on that. But And you also get a sense that Wheel is somebody that genuinely just wants to, to offer assistance and help in right. this instance. He's uh, you know, a proud citizen of that particular area or quadrant right. and just wants peace for the area. And he knows that if this particular asset is attained, mm-hmm. then that should restore peace and these particular individuals that have been guarding the asset will leave and or be taken out right and so there's no longer it solves his problem by helping the mandalorian solves all of his problems so he doesn't really expect anything in return other than simply the act of taking care of this problem that he hasn't right. been able to solve uh, because of course mando says well what's your angle you know what are you expecting and at first he says half and he's like you want half of my bounty that seems a bit steep just to give me directions right and he says no no half of the blurred and he says we well, can have both of them <laughs> and it's like you don't understand you're gonna have to like you said go blurred back right. to get where you need to go and so they wind up where the asset is being kept and so they notice this rough and tough tag race of aliens so they're trying to scope out and see where the Mandalorian's best point of entry is going to be mm-hmm. and that enters the IG-11 the bounty droid mm-hmm. who beats him to the punch and he realizes ah Again, with the droids. Mm-hmm. And this particular droid is voiced wonderfully by Taika Watiti. And that's, of course, we just mentioned the IG-11. And he's already taking out some of these guards. Right. And so Mando realizes, oh, all right, let's get down here and help him out and, and figure this out. Because, hey, I'm, I'm here to collect. Right. Yeah, He and he gets down there. And, and as soon as he gets down there... <laughs> The droid turns and shoots at him just because it's been shooting everybody else. And so it doesn't really realize who he is at first. And so Mando says, whoa, hold on. I'm on, I'm with the guild as well. And so apparently this robot or this droid is part of the guild of assassins. But anyway, so they're fighting and shooting at the bad guys and they reach cover. And throughout this whole scene, this droid, like every few minutes, is like oh there's too many of them i can't i can't risk getting caught and i must self-destruct and so mando has to tell him like every five minutes no don't self-destruct we can do this right he's like calm down calm your bolts you know we're gonna shoot our way out right and so of course they tried to do that initially and to go back just a, a step one of the coolest parts i think of them getting to that cover point was the simple fact that not only was this droid able to articulate with mando back and forth while they were walking through the courtyard there right but he's also rotating around and taking out multiple targets as you would expect an assassin droid or bounty hunter droid to do right and so they just they play to that so well in this very first episode of the pilot. And so then from there, they try to shoot their way out from cover, but realize, oh, they've stepped their game up and brought a turret. Right. So then they realize, okay, change of plans. Right. And, of course, you get one more time where 
the IG-11 says, I must self-destruct. And so he starts the process and Mando's like, no, wait a minute. We can do this. And talks him out of self-destructing one more time. And Mando says, cover me. And so the IG-11 starts shooting and Mando runs out there and takes out the turret operator and jumps on the turret and then proceeds to take out every single one of the bad guys. It was a very awesome moment in the show. And then the downswing from that is they realize, okay, all of the guards have been neutralized. Right. Now we can collect the asset. The only thing we need to do is open up or unlock the door. Mm-hmm. And we get this funny moment where both IG-11 and Mando look over at the turret, almost in sync, like, that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> and so the next thing you see is them shooting the hinges of the door around in an arc to get it to fall over right. so that they can go in. Right. And as soon as they blast through, isn't there guys, a couple more guys? No? No, it's clear. Okay. Once once well, they get in there, it's just them and the asset. Okay. And so they get, get in the room and they find the asset and it's basically a... A hovering baby... Sort of like a, a baby bassinet, but we don't know that just yet. Right, no, we don't know what it is. It just looks like a... Sort of a almost like an pot. egg, basically, yeah. but it, it floats and everything. And so Mando figures out how to open it, and once it opens, they're both looking at it, and the IG-11 says, okay, I must neutralize the target. And so I guess whoever hired him didn't give him the option of bring it in cold or warm. No, it was, it was, it all, was all cold. Find and, and neutralize. And so <laughs> Mando just, all of a sudden, it doesn't show it, but you hear a gun go off. And so you think that the IG-11 did what it was supposed to do, but then all of a sudden it shows the IG-11 with a big hole in its head. <laughs> And it falls over. And of course, before that, the IG-11 gives you a background on what you're looking at. And it winds up being a biggest reveal that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. I know I certainly wasn't. Oh, no, I wasn't either. So it was a huge surprise, and it's been dubbed by the internet appropriately right? as Baby Yoda. Right. Which, of course, obviously it is not literally Baby Yoda, because in Return of the Jedi, he passes away and is 900 years old. Right. But to get back to my point, IG-11 gives you a little bit of a back history on the asset and says this seems to be a, a very ancient race, 50 years old, because, of course, man, it's like this is a baby how can it be 50 right and so ig11 explains that its particular race can live up to upwards to a couple centuries old mm. 50 presumably is young for this race and so then you just you notice right away like okay this you know, now if, if you weren't before that right it definitely that that's what ends the pilot episodes on that cliffhanger right and so basically the baby is the same species as yoda but there's not a lot known about yoda's species so everybody on the internet and elsewhere has just referred to him as Baby Yoda. Which I, I think is, is probably best moving forward until we figure out if it has a name. Right. Or if Mando will give it a name. Right. We'll, we'll have to see. And you're absolutely but, right. I'm not really knowing a whole lot about Yoda's history and species. The only thing that we know that's even remotely close to him having somebody like him is Yaddle. Right. And that's another Jedi Knight that's a part of the same Jedi Council that we get through the episodes one through three. And so she's a, a really awesome character. If you have a chance, look her up and do the, the research. It's worth it. Right. Um, and she never, like, you don't ever see her other than see her in the background sitting in the Jedi Council among the other Jedi. Right. So, um, but that's basically, that's the end of the first episode. That wraps up the, the pilot. And so then from there, of course, we go into Chapter 2, which is simply titled The Child. And for this particular episode, there's not a whole lot to talk about because there was a lot of, of setup and essentially just a, a long, drawn-out run-in with the Jawa. Right. Who, if you remember, that's another of course, throwback and callback to the original Star Wars films. They are sort of a scavenger race, right. from what we can, we can gather over these films in this series. And so they don't necessarily look to harm anyone, but they are kind of like yard sales expertise. And they, right, they, right. Uh, they basically, um, you see Mando and Baby Yoda get back to his ship, and his ship has been stripped. And so there's all kinds of missing parts. And, and so Mando basically just figures, well, I'm stuck here. And so he goes back to Kuil with the baby Yoda. And of course, with baby Yoda in hand, 
Buil explains to Mando, well, listen, the Jawa are not a, a violent people. They're reasonable. They can be bartered and traded with. Yes, they stole your things and they stole your parts, but let's get them back. That's the only way of getting off of this planet right. with your asset. And so he convinces him, and they ride their blurds over to the Jawas. And they explain, have a bit of back and forth conversation. You know, hey, I know we got off to a dicey start, but you stole my parts. Those are my parts. What can we trade with you to get my parts? What's it going to take to get my parts back? And of course, the job watch try every manner of, you know, well, hey, give us your best for steel plate shoulder. Mm-hmm. Give us your guns or give us Baby Yoda. You know, like one of these three things we'd really love to have. And so, of course, Mando explains in every instance, that's not going to happen. Right. So, takes a 180 and they go from all of these things that they think they want and they say well okay they are murmuring amongst themselves in their own language Jawa and they even slam Mando at one point and say your Jawa is terrible right and so they say we want the egg bring us the egg right and they all start chanting about this egg and so it's like okay well what's the significance of this egg I- I'm not quite understanding okay, they want this egg. And so he says, all right, I'll get you this egg. If mm-hmm. we can do that for a trade and get all my parts back, sure. And so he goes, and this is really the, the second bulk of the episode. So of course right. the, the first part is him, you know, trying to take back his parts from the Jawa and failing miserably as they are well prepared with their cargo hold to fend off anybody that tries to overtake it. And one Mandalorian obviously isn't enough. Right. Uh, and so the second part of the episode primarily, and it's a big one, and you'll see why here in a second, <laughs> is because Mando comes upon this, how, how would we best describe this creature, Charlie? It's a, what kind of like a... Which creature? Prehistoric space rhinoceros in a cave? So yeah. Like a, a mud rhino? Yeah, that apparently lays eggs, which, right. is, which is odd, but... Quite quite peculiar. Um, but everybody that I've read or watched breakdowns or reviews about it have just called it a prehistoric rhino. So, I'm, I mean, it basically looks like a hairy rhino, which in prehistoric times, much like the woolly mammoth, there was some kind of rhino that had wool as well. So And so it charges right on. Of course, he goes into this cave thinking it's going to be easy in, easy out. And right. It's not. And so, of course, Rhino has its way with Mando pretty much the entire time. He gets a few shots in, but is struggling hard. Right. And, of course, all the while, he's trying to also balance with Baby Yoda, making sure he doesn't get hurt. Right. And that's when we get the big moment. Right. And so Because up until that, we've seen Baby Yoda and his interactions, of course, him being kind of a hindrance, but obviously... <laughs> Just the baby. Let's be real. He's too cute to do to be mad at right <laughs> just to be honest right that's probably going to be one of the hottest selling toys under the christmas tree this year is baby right. yoda right uh, you heard it here first <laughs> right. but anyway so from there throughout the relationship that we see building between those two we get this constant kind of arm lifting and, and raising right. of baby yoda and at first innocently enough it looks like that he's just trying to make contact or touch him mm-hmm. and this particular scene, Baby Yoda raises his arm again, but with more focus, and we get to see him use the Force. Right. He closes his eyes, and it looks just like Yoda using the Force, and then the Rhino... The Rhino is charging at Mando during this time, and so right as it gets to Mando, Mando's holding out a knife with his eyes closed, kind of like a, oh, I'm hoping not to die here, basically, and then all of a sudden, the Rhino stops right in front of him, and he looks over at baby yoda and sees that he's kind of in this force using pose basically and so he lifts the rhino up off the ground and mando's standing right beside the rhino he's got his knife in hand and then the baby yoda just kind of falls back and basically looking like he's tired probably not used to using the force probably something as instinct because he's so young and as soon as the rhino drops mando stabs it and does away with it basically and then collects the egg brings it back to the jawa and they of course are elated that they have their egg and right. they slice it open it turns out to be uh, i'm assuming for them like a treat a treat sort. or a rare delicacy which is hilarious because you're sitting there thinking mando just risked his life for them to have a treat and that was the only significance to the, the egg 
that was the only significance, but I have to admit, in him going, it was purposefully done, because in him going to gather the egg, we get to reveal and find out that, you know, because, of course, with the back history of Baby Yoda's race, it mm-hmm. seems that they are very, like Yoda and Yaddle, they're both very in tune with the Force. I mean, they both become Jedi Knights and Jedi Council member, and of course, Yoda is arguably one of the most powerful right. Jedis that we right. know of. And it's been speculated ever since this show was announced, if they were going to have any kind of force users in it or was the force going to be a part of it at all and so we got our answer at least for now it seems like at least baby yoda for right. sure right. Has, has force powers and in doing some of our research and watching some breakdown videos we noticed that there were some interesting theories that got brought up and so if you do the timeline here essentially baby yoda was born around the same time as anakin skywalker right and so that's really cool because if you think of the mythos of star wars anakin was supposed to be the chosen one as we heard obi-wan stream right. in <laughs> revenge of the sith and it could very well be that the prophecy was right but they got the wrong baby right which would be an awesome twist or reveal in this show but uh, so basically they they get their parts back and and they go back to Kawil and he tells them i'll help you fix your your ship and then you see a montage basically over the next couple of days of Kawil and mando fixing the ship and then from there of course he sends him off with his best wishes gives him one last quotable i have spoken right. you can tell it's in a way of goodbye i'm not gonna see you ever again likely and so of course they take off into deep space and at this point of course that's where the episode ends right you have to wonder okay well where's mando gonna go is he gonna go back with this baby and trust that the people that he goes back to right. want it for good intentions honestly or... i get the picture that he probably won't just just with the fact that ig11 was going to kill the baby and he ended ig Eleven. it leads me to believe that there are people out there that want this baby killed so i would not be surprised if lando becomes or not lando mando i would be surprised if mando becomes a guardian more more or less more more guardian less bounty hunter right and it's going to be really interesting to see where the rest of the season goes how they play it out other characters that might be brought into the fold uh, callbacks easter eggs what have you and i'm sure i have no doubt of course they've already been highlighted for a second season, which oh, I yeah. believe has already begun It's already filming. filming, yeah. So, you know, this is obviously going to have success, as we've seen so far. And the ending of the season finale, I think, will be one that we're definitely going to enjoy and leave us with a lot of questions, and maybe even more questions than answers. Definitely. Okay, and so that is going to wrap things up for this episode of Nerdy by Nature. And we certainly hope you've enjoyed it, and we know for sure you've enjoyed Disney+. Plus. We know we have. It's, uh, I don't want to say a game changer, but it's definitely a difference maker right now in, in the streaming industry. And I feel like they have a, a good opportunity here. Here to set the bar for what streaming can be and what it could be. Absolutely. And for our next episode, we're going to actually get out of the house, <laughs> off, off the couch from our Disney Plus binge-a-thon this weekend, right. and actually go see a movie in theaters. And one that we've been wanting to see now for a little bit since its release is Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to the movie The Shining, way back in 1980. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to, of course, also as we've done in true nerdy by nature fashion and whenever there's a series or multi movie format we will review both the shining and dr sleep so for the next episode be on the lookout for that in the meantime feel free to share this episode with everybody that you can have them share it with more people so on and so forth just keep those shares going hit the like button and just like you subscribe to disney plus you are absolutely welcome to subscribe to us and the best part is it's free absolutely it doesn't cost a thing and uh, by the way in case you're wondering there's still time to be our first commenter <laughs> definitely and so like i said that is going to do it for us we appreciate the, the listens as always much love from your boys signing off i am agent smith and i'm captain rogers god bless